0: Founder of Shortcuts for Writers. If, hi, everybody. I'm Stacy Juba. I'm um, the founder of Shortcuts for Writers. If you're not if you we've had a lot of new members the past few days. So if you're not familiar with me, I'm a freelance developmental editor, a fiction author, and I create um, online courses for writers. Um, so far, they're on um, self editing and um, putting more emotion into your characters. And today I'm here with lisa hill and she is going to be doing a workshop on something that i don't teach about which is marketing um so she's got some really um really exciting plan with um lots of useful information for you like no matter where you are with uh, how many books you publish um she's going to give you some advice um from where you are in your journey and Liesl is an award-winning author, a podcaster, and story coach. Um, her website, let me just put that on here. You can check out her website, and she also has a Facebook community called the Prolific Author Community, which um, you're welcome to join. So I will hand it over to you, Liesl. Um, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, yeah, thanks so much for that introduction. I um, really enjoy what I do. I love stories. I'm totally obsessed with them. I'm always writing a story in my head and I like to help um, other people also get their stories written. And it's tricky, isn't it? It's, um, it can be really, really hard to, you know, figure out what works and to be, to be really prolific. So that's why my um, community is called the prolific author. I like to help people, you know, get systems in place so that they can repeatedly, uh, you know, write books and grow their backlist and create a sustainable author business. Um, so today, let me share this here. I'm going to put it on slideshow. Um, we're going to talk about marketing at every phase of your author business. So, um, that's probably the biggest thing that I get asked is about marketing. And so this is what we are going to go over today because depending on what phase of the business you're in, you should be marketing oh, differently.
0: Hold on one minute. I screwed up. <laughs> okay. I okay. know oh, you're fine. we yeah. good? Okay. All good. Okay uh okay all right can you see my screen now oh good yep
1: okay good good <laughs> all right <laughs> sorry people technical difficulties me yeah. and Steve are still trying to like figure out the tech on this so <laughs> bear with us all right so let's get started here the truth is marketing is hard right we all know that and This is um, not something that most people probably want to know, but marketing through things like ads, newsletter promos, and other outside sources for authors, it's getting harder and harder. We're we're seeing less and less of a return as more and more people, um, you know, jump in and the, uh, what do you call it, the competition keeps going up. And I don't say that to scare you. It's still very, very doable to market through ads, but it is getting a little bit harder. So we need to make sure we know what we're doing so that we're not flushing our money down the toilet, right? It's very common for authors to throw tons of money into marketing of their books and then not get much of a return, either on the current book or on a subsequent novel. And it's really important that I say that, not just the current book, but subsequent novels. And then these authors kind of declare that it's not possible to make money in this business. Well, it is. I promise if anybody is doing it, and lots of people are, it is doable. It's just that they don't really know how to do it. They're going about it wrong. And that's not their fault. They've just, they've never been taught how to do it. Um, And the reason that it's important that I say subsequent novel as well as current novel is that it's very possible to, if you know what you're doing, make a novel sell the first time out of the gates. But if that novel is really subpar, you know, if there's lots of typos or if the story's really not there, then you're going to get a lot of bad reviews and you're not going to sell your next book. And so, you know, it it does happen sometimes that an author will be really good at marketing and sell a lot of their first book, but then subsequent books don't sell because their readers already know that the quality isn't there. Okay. So this is all part of marketing. Once again, if anybody is making money on their royalties, if anyone's living off their royalties, and I know lots of authors who are, then it is doable. You just have to make sure you're going about it the right way, that you have the right systems in place, and that you know how to market effectively at each stage of the journey. All right, so why do so many authors struggle? Because they don't market. (laughs) Sorry, there's a typo there. (laughs) I'm totally an author who talks good, right? (laughs) Because they don't market efficiently at every stage of the journey. Um, So there's kind of an elephant in the room that no one in the author community wants to talk about. Um, I think it's really important that we talk about it because especially as marketing grows harder for us, we're going to need to recognize this and remedy it if we want to succeed at you know, creating a sustainable author business. The elephant in the room is that sometimes when a book doesn't sell, it's not about the marketing, or at least it's not about the outside marketing. Okay, It's not about the ads. It's not about the platform. It's not about social media. It's about that book is not very well written. And most people in the author community don't like to talk about that. Because we're all kind and and you know life affirming people and we want to encourage and so we don't want to tell someone okay your book isn't selling because it kind of sucks you know like most of us don't want to say that but what I'm going to teach you here is that part of marketing in fact honestly in my opinion the biggest part of marketing is making sure that you're nailing that story the writing the story the characters the world building all of that will sell your book far more efficiently and to a much greater extent than however much money you're throwing into ads okay so that's a big part of marketing and it's the thing that nobody really wants to talk about what i always hear about everyone always asks me teach me to market teach me to market teach me to sell my books that's the number one question that i get but nobody wants to hear about storycraft okay so maybe i have to talk about what i mean by craft i will get to that in a couple of slides but we are going to start by going through um the different stages of the journey um craft is actually kind of the second stage so um, the first one is what I call pre-marketing. And these are things that you want to do before you start writing or during your writing. Um, it would be best to do them before you start writing, but of course if you're already writing your book. you, You don't have to like miss out on the stage. You can just do them while you're writing, right? These are things like creating a lead magnet, uh, building your email list. And these are, hang on, I'll talk about these in just a minute and nurturing your email list. Now I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about creating the leader, the lead magnet in the email list, because most of us are pretty familiar with this. Okay. So if you're thinking that you already know this, that's okay. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. Um, These are some resources that I've got on the screen newsletter, Ninja by Tammy And that's kind of the industry standard that everybody reads to learn how to create an author email list. So if you haven't read it, I would highly recommend it. I also read Self-Published Strong by Andrea Pearson. I actually read that one before I read the Newsletter Ninja, and it's really good. She'll teach you exactly what she does, exactly, you know, all the ins and outs of um, your email list. Because here's the thing. Your email list, everybody knows it's important, and it is taught in the author space that it's important, but I also feel like it's not emphasized quite enough. I really honestly believe that the majority of your sales, especially right when you launch your book, should be coming from your email list. Any paid ads you have should be really secondary to that or complementing that. Paid ads should not be your end-all be-all of marketing, okay? And a lot of authors, especially when they're starting out, they get that flipped. And it's because it does take time to build an email list. It does, you know. I'm not going to lie about that. But we really need to be building that list. We need to be nurturing that list. And I especially want to focus on the email nurture sequence. Okay, we need to talk about these because this is something that's a little bit taboo for authors. Um, In each of these uh, different stages, I'm gonna give you a hot tip. (laughs) My hot tip here is stop being afraid to email your list. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit more. Most authors are really afraid to email their list. And I, I do understand I was the same way when I started out. You so desperately want people on your email list that when you get even five or 10 people, it's a big deal in the beginning, okay? And you're, you're deathly afraid that they're going to unsubscribe, right? And so we all understand because when you start an email list, it's always difficult and it's always kind of a magical moment when you get that first subscriber. But you've got to stop being afraid to email your list. Um, it has been pretty much scientifically proven now that the more emails your list receives, the more engaged they are and the faster they come to trust you, Okay. Are you going to get unsubscribed when you send more emails? Of course, but that's actually a good thing because you're getting rid of the people who are not interested in buying from you, who are not interested in your emails, and you do not want that baggage on your email list. Okay, by all means, pay for the emails that are going to, um, you know, give you some sort of, um, you know, back and forth in your business but the ones who are not interested in that, you, you do actually do want to get rid of them as quick as possible. So you could even say that the more emails you send, the faster you're getting rid of the emails that are not going to serve you, okay? So don't be afraid of that. Um, I'm not gonna go into tons of detail about this because this is a whole other course on its own, but there are specific types of emails that you can send. I actually took this model from a woman named uh, Dana Mostak, who is not an author, okay? She's, she's not about writing fiction. She is just an entrepreneur and helps people build businesses in any market that they want to build a business in. Okay. The types of emails you can send are permission emails, cloud emails, training, recommendation, action, and flash show. Um, This is the kind of thing that I'm going to teach in my course. And I'm about to say something really kind of radical here that a lot of people are probably going to cringe at. I really believe that every author should create an email sequence that is 100% uh, pre-written, Um, we all do this now, I think most of us create, you know, three to six emails that are, um, welcoming people to our list where we tell them, you know, what we write and give them a few links, uh, what they can expect from us, uh, you know, follow us on social media, that sort of thing. But what you really should be doing is using these different types of emails and repeating them. So you would probably do like five or six of each and send one out per week and create a year long nurture sequence. Now, these are emails that you would obviously tailor to yourself and to your genre, what you write, and kind of use them to guide people through your books and through the worlds that you've created. Now, I hear you, you're probably thinking, well, what about my weekly newsletter with all the updated uh, promos and, and news and everything? Well, this is where I'm a little bit different than most other authors. I really think that you ought to be sending two emails a week. This is what I do, and I have a very, very engaged list, okay? I create this nurture sequence, which is a year long, And they always get those emails at the beginning of the week. I I believe mine go out on Mondays. Then every week I write a newsletter that is much shorter and just more current news. And I send that out on Friday. Guys, I'm here to tell you that yes, I get unsubscribed, but not any more than the industry standard. And the people who are on my list are very, very engaged. They know exactly what's going on with my books. They're constantly, you know, getting in touch with me and telling me what they want. And this is the kind of thing you should be doing. Okay. This is not about your books necessarily it's not about the creative side of your business this is about growing your audience and really nurturing them this is one of the best things you can do to market your books even before they're written okay if you put this into place take a little bit of time and put this into place now you will automatically supercharge your sales when your book is ready okay i promise you um this is another thing that people don't like i know that we authors are very introverted most of the time and we don't like being on video believe me it's taken me a long time to be um Fairly comfortable on video, and I'm still really not a pro at it. But consider using video or audio. A lot of times, uh, you can't send those out directly in your emails, but you can do something where you take a picture of the video so that they can click on it and go to your website, that sort of thing. It ups traffic to your website, and if they can see your face and hear your voice, they're going to trust you a lot more and a lot faster, and they're going to want to buy your books. Um, hot tip, create a reader and genre manifesto. So like I said, I can't go through all of these emails because that would take an hour to do more than an hour, probably a couple of hours to do that. But I'm going to give you kind of just a taste of it, something you can do. All right. So I would recommend that you create a reader and genre manifesto. All this is, is a list of beliefs that you have that has to do with what you write, the kinds of characters and stories you write, your genre, the beliefs you have around what you write and how your readers will be able to identify with you. So this is mine, I give you an example of mine. I write several genres, but this is my crime fiction reader's manifesto. So I've just put things that I believe about my genre and about why I write and why I read my genre on here. So I'll just read through them really fast. Um, I want to read about dark stories and characters to make myself feel better about my own problems while also escaping to somewhere exciting and empowering. Okay, this is why I read crime fiction. This is why my readers read crime fiction. So what you're doing is you're creating these things that your readers can identify with, okay, because they'll, they'll see these things and they'll know that they're in the right place, okay. It makes them, this is why we call them permission emails. You're giving them permission to be who they already are, to read the genres they're already interested in, okay. Okay. Um, anyone can solve a crime with enough intelligence, resourcefulness, and tenacity. I really believe that. Uh, We live in a world that will always have problems, and we need stories that show justice, overcoming injustice, to give us hope. Okay, I could really get on my soapbox about justice and how much readers need to see justice in a story, but kind of a discussion for another time. Um, Consuming crime and mystery stories makes us more compassionate, empathetic, wise, brave, resilient, and free. That's actually true of all fiction. It's Again, studies have been done that show that people who um, consume fiction ha- have much bigger empathy centers in their brain, okay? So they, it really does make a difference in who we are. Um, I want to live in a world where everyday people have such a strong sense of justice that there is little to no injustice in their daily lives. Is that actually going to happen in our world? Probably not. But again, this has to do with the crime genre, with why reviewed crime. Um, and it's something that we can hope for and wish for. And, you know, maybe reading crime fiction takes us a step closer experiencing justice and empowerment vicariously through characters in a novel gives us strength and hope to face our own worlds solving mysteries via novels makes us more clever resourceful tenacious and better problem solvers than not reading them and it spills over into our reality that's actually true kids who read mysteries um are better problem solvers than kids who don't and reading crime and mystery stories might just save the world that's kind of my go-to for all the genres that i write okay so to get an idea of how to do this you could create these Um, manifestos, what you believe about what you write in your genre, about fiction in general, anything that comes to mind that you think about as you're doing your writing, and then you put those in your permission emails, and you give your readers permission to believe the same thing. And what that does is it really bonds them to you. It it helps them to know that they're in the right place, that you believe what they believe, that you write the genre for the same reason that they're reading it, okay? Again, it's just a way of nurturing your list. Trust me, it works. I've been doing this for a while. All right. So we're gonna move on to the next phase, which is marketing while you write. Now, we're gonna go back to that question I asked a couple of slides ago about what do I mean by craft? Authors always want marketing, but not story craft. And, and believe me, <laughs> I have seen this all over the place. I will talk to people about their craft and they'll go, yeah, 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 I, I know how to write a story, but, but how do I market it? And I'm not saying that they don't. Most writers are avid readers, so we naturally have um, pretty good storytelling chops, right? We, we do know how to write a story, but there's a difference between having a feel for it and kind of a natural tendency toward it and actually being able to do it well and do it purposefully. So let me, let me use an example. Um, let's say you have someone who always wanted to be a doctor, right? And they were so interested in being a doctor that they, you know, read lots of science books and followed the medical dramas on TV and read lots of, or uh, watch lots of documentaries and they just know more than most people about medicine and about science, okay? So people would probably look at them and say, wow, you have a really great tendency toward that. You're just picking it up and you're you're good at it. That is true, but we also wouldn't want that person to be operating on us without having gone through medical school, right? (laughs) So that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. There's a difference between being good at it because we've always immersed ourselves in it And actually purposefully knowing how to write an amazing story that's going to hook your readers and it's going to sell itself. Okay, that's the difference between paying attention to story craft and not paying attention to story craft. So what do I mean by that? Um, All humans consume stories in the same way, the exact same way. So it's really not about There's There's a lot of people who have, how should we say, they, they kind of push back against using any kind of outline or story beats or anything like that because they feel like it's crushing their creative muse. But what I always tell my clients is that this is really not about me telling you what to write in your story. It's not. Okay. This is about you coming up with an amazing and original story, anything you can think of. But what I'm going to teach you is how to position that story, how to present it to the reader in a way that their mind naturally wants to absorb it. Okay. So what that will do is it will create them. Um, it basically creates a page turner. It creates, um, it pulls them through the story, like from uh, a place of low tension to a place of high tension, and they will be salivating for the for the rest of that story and for the next story after that, and they will come back to you again and again and again. And the stories that you write, because they know that that made them feel something, right? Okay, so I was going to tell you a quick story about how I came to realize this, and it's really not all that exciting, actually. Um, like most people, when I started writing, I was struggling to write. I wanted to write great books, but I didn't know how, and one of the first writing, um, it wasn't a conference, it was like a spring workshop that was uh, up at Weaver State University that I attended. Dan Wells was teaching it. If you know who Dan Wells is, he's actually a fairly well known author. Um, but this is when he was starting out, and he was my first introduction to story beats. He had his own kind of proprietary system, and I was just absolutely entranced by it. And that was the first time that I realized that you can purposely plan components of your story to make every single one possibly a bestseller right? You can, you can purposely do that. And sort of, um, I don't want to use the word manipulate, but you can position it so that people, you know, without a doubt that your readers are going to connect with it. Okay. So how are we going to go about doing this? Um, The first thing is genre and trope research. Again, not gonna go into a lot of detail about this because I know a lot of people already know how to do this. And it's something that I will teach in my course for anybody who doesn't know it. But the idea is just to make sure that you're hitting your genre and your trope conventions. What that does is it opens you up to a pre-existing audience. So wouldn't it be nice to know that when you write a book you already have an audience for it who loves the type of book that you're writing, okay? That's why you should do your genre and tropes because that is, marketing that you can do while you're writing the book and then you already have a way to market it once it's done, once you're finished writing it. However, lots of people teach genre and trope research and I'm 100% behind it. But for me, that's also just a jumping-off point, okay? You absolutely should take advantage of that pre-existing audience by using um, genres and tropes, but I'm also a big proponent of creating your own mega-fans. How do you do that? Well, again, it has to do with putting in uh, those things purposefully, Uh, that will help the reader connect with the story. So for example, let's say that you, um, it doesn't really matter, let's say you write thrillers, like espionage thrillers, okay? You can put in certain tropes that have to do with those thrillers and tap into the audience who loves to read that. And that's great. They, you know, if they read enough of your books and if your writing style speaks to them, then you will create fans out of that. But what I'm saying here is that if you take the time to hit all of the major components that you should, while you're writing your novel, that creates mega fans. Like you can take someone from being just, I like this genre to give me everything you've ever written because I want it. Okay, that's, it really is that night and day of a difference. People don't understand the importance of story psychology, okay? They really, really underestimate it. Um, I've heard people say, so when I talk about craft, it it is story points and it's a lot of different things. I, I have a whole proprietary blend. And there's a lot of different things to take into account. You don't obviously have to use every single one for every single story, but I guarantee even if you know something about story beats and you're, you're using them somewhat in your writing, you're probably not using all of them that you should. Most people know a few, but they don't know all of them and they're not purposely implementing all of them. So there's always room for improvement. Now, what I was going to say is, um, I hear people talk about like Joseph Campbell. Most of us are pretty familiar with Joseph Campbell, right? And his hero's journey. And I hear people say things like, well, that's great. And it's it's a good place to start, but don't rely on that 100%. And I kind of have to face palm when I hear that. It, I'm not even saying that it's untrue. I'm not necessarily disagreeing, but it's just completely the wrong um, attitude to take towards storytelling because it's really not about, once again, it's not about Joseph Campbell. It's not about his particular beats. And it's not about someone telling you how to write your story. It's about understanding the human brain and the human emotions and how to get your audience to connect with your story. So it's way more important than most writers believe. Now, if you are just writing for you and you're just doing a passion project and you prefer to do it that way, Hey, I'm, I'm here to support you hundred percent. You got to do what lights you up. But once again, if you want to create a sustainable author business, you need to be connecting with your readers on a deep emotional level. And I cannot stress enough how important the story psychology is to that. Again, most people kind of sort of pay attention to it, but mostly brush it under the rug. And then they sit back and complain that their stories aren't selling. Okay. And, And this is a fact, guys. Most people who claim that they don't need any more story craft are uploading stories to Amazon that are not selling. So that should tell you something about where their marketing is lacking. All right. Um, So these are the things that you need to be planning in order to um, create this wonderful story for your readers, dynamic characters, specifically transformational arcs. And again, I I can teach this in a lot more detail inside my, um, my course, but what I will say is that most people are really good, when I say people, most authors are really good at planning the external plot events, you know, what's actually happening in their story, but the internal dynamic for the character is often an afterthought. And it's not that most people don't have dynamic characters, it's that they're not planning them purposefully and intentionally. And I promise you are shooting yourself in the foot if you're, you know, you're, you're leaving sales on the table, if you're not paying attention to the internal transformation. Um, also, world building, dynamic arcs, which is low tension, high tension, um, you know, creating that page turning element, and creating story satisfaction. Um, story satisfaction is one that it's probably the most powerful one. Um, if, if Even if you screw up the character arc or the world building, if you create intense story satisfaction by the end, which just means that the reader goes, ah, that was amazing, in some element, they'll actually forgive you for messing up those other elements, okay? So story satisfaction is really important. This is mostly done by setting things up through um, a lot of times through foreshadow or just you know the way that you frame your story in the beginning and then paying it off at the end. Um, having a satisfying ending, and again, I, I, I can really get on—I said this before—I can really get on my soapbox about this. But justice is a big thing, and I don't just mean for crime stories. We're not just talking about bringing the bad guy to justice. Any story should have injustices happening, and then you should see the justice at the end. Like that alone will elevate your story so much, and it will make readers connect with it so much because you know, in our world, we don't always get justice. We all know that it—it it, it sucks sometimes but readers need that, desperately need to see that in the story, and that's one really, really effective way to create story satisfaction. All right, so let's get into, we've talked about pre-marketing, which is before or while you're writing your book, and then how to market within the book itself, within the writing. So let's talk about when your book is finished and ready to go, how you're gonna market in the different phases. Um, If you only have one to two books, this is what you should be doing. Newsletter promo sites, which are things like BookBub, uh, free Booksy, Robin Reads, ENT, those um, sorts of things, but I would not do Bookbub here. Okay, you, you really need read through in order to make Bookbub worth it. So I would do the smaller ones. And what that does is it just exposes your books or books to new people and it can help you grow your audience. If they like your book, they'll get on your email list. Okay, another way to really um, market in this space is to build your email list very purposefully. The best way to do this is through free promos, through uh, Book Funnel, Story Origin, My Book Cave. Um, I think there's one called Prolific Works, all of those. Um, So here's here's my little spiel about that. Some authors are not a fan of that because they talk about how there's a lot of freebie seekers there and they don't get very good open rates. They're not wrong about that, but it is the fastest way to grow your email list and all you have to do is prune your email list, which means you're getting rid of the people who aren't opening your emails and that is not difficult to do. If you buy either of those books that I mentioned at the beginning, um, Newsletter Ninja or Self-Published Strong, they tell you exactly how to do that. And most email responders now, like um, MailChimp, ConvertKit, MailerLite, they a lot of times have pre-built sequences to help you do this. So all you have to do is click a button and it'll kind of do it for you. Okay, so it's really easy. So when I hear authors say, oh, well, I built a list of 10,000 readers, but I had such a low open rate that I just deleted it. Oh my gosh, like double and triple face palm right there. Okay, you are you're you need to leverage that list. and. Absolutely. You need to get rid of the email um, addresses that are not serving you, but most people build their list this way and you can find mega fans this way. So as long as you're intentional and you prune the list, this is the best way to build your list to begin with. And it does work in a few months. You will have thousands of people on your email list. Okay. Um, The next thing we want to be doing is nurturing your list. So I already talked about the email nurture sequence. Uh, Make sure you're responding when people email you so that you're really creating a back and forth dialogue with your readers. And when you have a new book to launch, build up to it. Do like a two-week launch runway, which just means you're building excitement, uh, sending emails, maybe showing them the cover. Um, if you have an art team and can get some advanced reviews, you're, you're sending them those reviews. You know, you're just building up hype so that you get, it may still not be a huge launch because you have only got one or two books and you know, your list is going to be still relatively small, but you're just kind of optimizing for the best launch you can have in this space. Um, And the last thing you want to do is make sure that you have realistic expectations when it comes to what kind of a return you're going to get. Even when you do those newsletter promo sites, I think they're a good thing to do, but you also, because you only have one or two books, you're not going to get a lot of read through. So you might not get a huge return. You just got to kind of write this off as um, business expenses to start growing your business. Okay. Marketing two to nine ish books. And I say ish because It's going to be different for every author. This kind of goes back to the um, 20 books to 50K mentality, if if any of you are in there. The idea is that it's just a baseline, okay? Most people think that once you hit 20 books, you're going to be making 50K a year, but there's people who have more than 20 books and aren't hitting that, and there's people that are hitting that at five books, okay? Same kind of thing. You're going to have to look at your, um, your backlist and your author journey and figure out when it's time to move up to the next tier of marketing. So I would say between two and 10 books somewhere, this is what you should be doing. You're still going to be wanting to do those newsletter promos, but I would create a system at this point. So you're not just randomly doing promos here and there. Get out your calendar, um, write down what promo you're going to do each month. And, you know, you can. there's enough of them that are, are actually very... Um, efficient at selling books that you can kind of cycle through them and especially as you grow your backlist if you have multiple series you can you can do this you can you know promote this series this month and that series that month and use bookbub here and and free booksy here and bargain booksy there and you know just be really intentional about it Uh, give yourself a schedule and if you do this this will this will change your your author business because you'll be constantly promoting this way Um, In terms of building your list, at this point, I would start doing fewer of the free promos on the funnel and those kinds of places, and dabble in paid ads for list building. Now, what's going to happen, you'll find, is that you'll outgrow those platforms. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Like I said, I I very much um, recommend them when you're starting out. I use them to grow my email list. But what started happening, especially when it came to doing swaps on story origin, is that most people are just starting out. So... If, I, if they're sending my book to their list, because their list is so small, I'm only getting five to ten clicks. But when I send their book to my list, because my, looks, my list is much bigger at this point, they're getting like 60 or 70 clicks. So it's just not an equal exchange anymore. And of course, you have everybody looking at your past um, campaigns, which, you know, uh, Story Origin shows them, and seeing that I get all these clicks, I have all these people wanting to swap with me, but I'm not getting much of a return there. So When that happens, you'll kind of know that you've outgrown these platforms a little bit. And that's when you might want to start uh, dabbling in paid uh, ads for list building. Again, if you do your email sequence correctly, you will be making sales off your list. So it is more than worth it to pay for that email address through an ad. You, of course, need to make sure that you're doing this the right way, that you're not flushing money down the toilet, and that's kind of a whole other um, lesson, but this is where you're gonna wanna start considering doing that, because at this point, you probably have a little bit more money to work with, and you want to focus on growing your author business, which means growing your audience. Um, In terms of nurturing your list, this is when you might wanna find small ways to get your list involved in the writing process. There's lots and lots of different ways to do this. You can um, help them, or have them vote on, a book title. Um you can have them sometimes it's fun to have them come up with character names. I'm uh, I'm writing a dragon series right now and there's gonna be lots of dragons in it. So I have them do contests to see who comes up with the best dragon name and I will use that in my book and they love that because they get um they they'll get thanked for it, they'll be in the acknowledgments and they just trust me, your list lo- your list loves being involved. Um, you can also consider ads i already talked about list building ads but ads to sell your books you know directly direct sale ads on a small scale i wouldn't go overboard but this is when you can start testing and figuring out what works for your books and you can start contemplating funnels Uh, funnels are a big part of selling online and the best way to do this is to use um box sets um so again you, you can't really do it with one or two books but as you get going you can start looking into doing this and again it can be really really lucrative and finally, we get to the 10 plus books or whenever your, you know, your author business kind of explodes and you're making pretty good money. At this point, I would still do the newsletter promos. Again, keep systematically doing them. But at this point, you can start um, applying for book BookBubs. They are hard to get, but you want to have at least, it used to be three, but I would say at least five books in a series in order to get the read through to make how expensive BookBub is. Um, worth it, okay. But once you have that, trust me, it's worth it. It really is. (laughs) Um, You want to be doing a lot of paid list building here, constantly um, increasing your audience. And for nurturing your list, continue with everything. There's not a whole lot to add here with the previous, but with each new book you get, you're going to add it into your nurture sequence with each new series. And again, you're going to be guiding your list through the world of your books. um, And that's how you're going to make a lot of your sales, even on the backlist, right? Your ads, you can scale them. So once you know what works in terms of keywords and targets, you can start scaling them. And this is where you're going to create funnels and maybe even memberships. Now, I'm not going to talk too much about memberships. Um, this is something that I am currently experimenting with. Everything in the online world is heading toward the membership model. So it's kind of like a Netflix streaming model. It's I wouldn't call it streaming exactly because it's a little bit different um, setup. But I think that we really, it might be a while, 10 years down the road or something, but we really could get to a point where it's gonna be our only really effective marketing. So um, again, this is something that I I can't really speak on with authority yet because I'm still testing it and experimenting with it, but, Anyone who who follows me who wants to uh, come into my Facebook group, which is the prolific author, as Stacey said at the beginning, I will keep people updated about this and probably end up training on it based on, on what my results are. So it's just something to keep in mind. Okay. Once you have a big backlist, there's a lot of different ways that you can monetize it. And this is just one of them. All right. So I'm going to go really quickly over paid ads. Obviously, I cannot do an entire paid ads course in just a few minutes. Um, you know, Mark Dawson and... Um, Ryan Cohen have courses that are like 20 hours long. So that's not going to work. But the major ads that authors do are Facebook, BookBub, and Amazon. Uh, and what I put on here are really good resources to get started on those. They're books that you can get. Um, Help My Facebook ads Suck by Mal Cooper, BookBub Ads Expert by David Gobran, Amazon Ads Unleashed by Robert J. Ryan. All of these are really inexpensive. They're like less than $5, I think. Um, also, just I didn't actually put this on there as a tip, but if you're going to look into an ads book, always check the date. Okay, there's another book by, oh, I'm not going to remember the name of it, but that I was using for Amazon ads for a long time. And it was really, really effective, but just within the last year, they've actually changed things. And that book is completely out of date now. So it was once really good information. but So don't pick up an ads book that was from like 2014. It will not apply anymore. So make sure that it's current. Um, My hot tip here is don't try to do Google ads. Um, It's not that they're not effective, but they're not effective for authors because you need a much larger uh, margin of profit than we have because our books don't cost very much. It's just not lucrative to do um, Google ads. And that's actually true of YouTube ads as well. Um, People can make money on them, but they're people who have like $1,000 courses. And when your book only costs 5 bucks, it's just, it's not a good idea. You're going to be flushing money down the toilet. All right. So I'm just going to go over some basic tips for each of these. On Facebook, you're always going to target a big... Name, mainstream author. So this is where if you're writing horror, you're gonna target Stephen King, right? If you're writing fantasy, go for JK Rowling. You're gonna do the big mainstream names here. It will spend your entire budget, so be careful about that. Make sure that you're watching your ads really, really closely. Um traffic versus conversion. So this is this is kind of gonna be my hot tip because this is more recent. It used to be that most um and it might still be, I'm not sure, but Most authors who teach ads were telling you to use traffic ads. And the reason for that is that it's the cheapest cost per click. That's true. But, you know, Facebook ads are getting more and more granular all the time. And you have to understand the different types of ads on Facebook and what they mean. A traffic ad just means that Facebook is sending as much traffic as humanly possible to that ad. It is not as well targeted as you would probably like it to be. Conversion ads, they tend to cost a little bit more per click, but in those ads, people are specifically being targeted who are likely to click and buy. So even though they're more expensive, you will actually have probably better results in terms of selling a book if you're running a direct ad to sell your book using a conversion ad. And my hot tip is that you want to run engagement ads first. Now, this is the kind of thing that authors don't like to hear because it's more money up front. I totally understand. But what the Facebook gurus are telling us right now is that if you run an engagement ad to your audience until you've got a two or three or four relevance or, um, sorry, frequency score that tells Facebook who to serve your ad to. So most people will tell you that nobody on Facebook is getting leads for less than $10 that's not true. People who run engagement ads are often getting them at a dollar or two. Okay. So you need to run engagement ads first. Now, if you've never run Facebook ads before, and this is just sounding like Latin to you, then don't don't worry about it. Okay. But for anyone who's uh, familiar with Facebook ads, all you got to do is pick your audience. So let's say you're, you're targeting Stephen King because you write horror, run, um, an engagement ad to that audience for even a few days or a week, you know, like $5 a day. It doesn't have to be a lot. Until you get a high relevant, or I keep saying relevancy, a high frequency score, because what that tells Facebook is that um, these are the people who would be interested in your book. Okay, that's that's how you're figuring that out. And then when you run the conversion ads, your cost per click will be way, way lower. Okay, so that's my hot tip for anybody who's running Facebook ads. If you have no idea what I just said, then don't worry about it. Um, BookBub ads. On here, you're going to target smaller authors with smaller audiences. It's actually a big mistake to target big authors like Stephen King on this platform. You will waste your money. Um, This will spend most of your budget. It always seems to me it doesn't quite spend it all, but it spends most of it, so just assume that it will. And the best thing to do is um, test four or five authors and then put them together in a super ad to get a good ROI. So once again, I hear a lot of authors saying BookBub ads don't work because I only got like a 0.0 or 0.62 ROI. And I'm not saying they're lying, I'm sure that's true, but that's actually common. That's the way that BookBub ads work. But if you get, if you can find four or five authors and you just have to do this through testing that get close to a 1% ROI and then put them together, you're likely to get a four or 5% ROI. I've done that. I've actually gotten a four and a half percent ROI, which is really, really respectable. So you have to put in the work and the testing, but they do work if you just keep at it. Um, Hot tip uh, again, David Godwin's book, which is the one that I, that I put up at the beginning. He says to use authors with less than 20,000 followers. And while I think that's good advice, I've actually found a significantly higher ROI when I use authors with between one and 5,000 followers, which is a lot smaller slice. So Try that first, and then after that, once you've found some that work, you can branch out into authors with larger followings. And it's just a little counterintuitive, because you would think the larger following is what you would be going for, but the problem is on BookBub, the larger following is less targeted, so you're going to get crappier results, so that's why. And Amazon ads. Um, Yeah, I'm not going to say much about Amazon ads, because these are so complicated. Um, These are, you're targeting keywords and products, such as other books, categories, genres, and authors. This one actually won't spend your entire budget. It usually only spends about 50%. And that's not always a good thing because it's really hard to scale up, okay? You know, if you find one that works, obviously you want to spend all the money you can there because you're getting a good return, but they're really difficult to scale. All you can really do here is test as many different ads and keywords as you possibly can to see what works. So the biggest thing here is that it just takes time and it takes a little bit of money. And that's why authors run into problems because we all know that when we start out, we don't have a whole lot of money to spend. Um, But that's why I recommend not really dabbling in this until you've got a few more books, not in the first phase, You know, one or two books, but in the second phase, you can start to dabble, test, see what works, and then by the time you have ten or fifteen or twenty books or whatever, you already know what works. And man, those ads are working for you, right? So my hot tip here is don't use the lock screen ads. So I told you that things changed about a year ago. They they created these lock screen ads. Um, People who are way more knowledgeable than me have tested these, and what they found is that these are they're basically what you would call ubiquitous marketing ads. So they're great big ad campaigns that people like. James Patterson use that will show up everywhere. Okay, they're the kind of thing that aren't going to get you much of a return unless you can spend like thirty thousand dollars on a marketing campaign. And most of us, even even really um, successful indie authors, don't have that. So if you just put a little bit of money into them to test them, all that money is going down the toilet. Just don't use them. Stay with the um, sponsored keyword and sponsored brand. Okay, so. There are different ways to succeed as an author as we wrap up here. One of them is dabbling. Maybe you are only interested in, 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 you know, kind of writing here and there and um, seeing if it's for you and kind of doing your own thing. And hey, you can succeed as as an author that way as long as you love what you're doing. Passion projects, which just means you don't care about anything. You're just doing it for you and it's a passion project. But I think most of us are here, are in Facebook groups to learn and are coming to these kinds of workshops because you want to create a sustainable author business, right? In order to do that, there, you have to be very mindful, you have to be very thoughtful, very purposeful about what you do to make that happen. You have to set up systems that allow you to succeed quickly and repeatedly. Okay, now I don't mean write, the same story over and over. I mean, create a system, get it in place, so that you can write your books in a way that is at least somewhat predictable, so that you can kind of start to figure out where your income is going to come from. Okay? You always need to start with the end in mind. Um, Stephen R. Covey, who again, he's not an author, he's an entrepreneur, right? So this goes for everything. He talked about how you can do whatever you want, and you know, whatever lights you up, whatever you're passionate about, but If you want to create income, you have to start with the end in mind, okay? So that's kind of what I'm talking about here. If you want to do it just because you love to write and it's for you and it's a passion project, hey, more power to you. But if you want to be living off your author royalties, you've got to be a little bit more intentional about it than that, okay? And that is where my prolific author system comes into play. Now, as I was telling Stacey, I was actually going to beta launch my course this week, which just means that I'm gonna, you know, I'm not doing it as a public launch. I'm not like running ads to a webinar or anything. I'm just launching it to my audience and the audiences of a few of my author friends um, to get people who would be interested in buying it for half price and um, who would be willing to give me feedback on it. But I actually ran into a couple of um, uh, technical glitches. And so it's, it wasn't quite ready to be launched yet this week, but I'm going to be launching it in the next probably two weeks. Um, so if that's something that you're interested in, you can join the prolific author community. I will be launching it in there. You are welcome to send me an email or to, um, you know, DM me either on Facebook or I'm also the prolific author on Instagram. If you're an Instagram person, um, if if that's something that you're interested in. Okay. Just wanted to let you know that that's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks. And that is pretty much what I have for you today. Let me stop sharing my screen here. Oh, that was
0: great. <laughs> if anybody has any questions, I um, feel free to um, put them in the comments. Um, I had a couple of questions, but that was um, funny how you mentioned Dana Malstaff from Boss Moms and then Stephen Covey, because I've, I've learned a lot from both of them. Yeah. <laughs> of, um, both of them. Um, yeah, they're both great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, So for, like, a mailing list, when authors ask me, like, about, like, mail service providers, I have ConvertKit, but I, that's kind of expensive, and I, it works for me because I also have the shortcuts for writers. I'm not just an author, I also have this other business. Um, So I usually suggest MailerLite to check out, I think that's less expensive. Is, is that what you would suggest to authors or what are some of the options?
1: Um, actually, like you, I have ConvertKit and I use it for a lot of different things, but I don't know, I this may be an unpopular opinion. I actually think that you should, at least, I mean, you can certainly start off with something that's free or that's cheaper, but especially if you do your email sequence correctly, I think you really do need a pretty robust email provider. Um, that will do everything you want it to do. Um, but, but of course it's a personal decision depending on how you're using it. Um, most most email providers do have a free tier now, even ConvertKit has a free tier. So I don't know, I, I'm not actually a big fan of MailChimp and I've just never used MailerLite, so it might be awesome, but I, I wouldn't really know. Um, <laughs> I, do, yeah. I do recommend ConvertKit because I think it's awesome. But yeah. yeah, I mean, the only other thing I would say is there's a lot of people who say start out with something free and easier and then you can move over. It's really kind of a chore to move over. I've moved over before, and it's it's really not fun. <laughs> so I, I usually recommend ConvertKit, but I understand that you know maybe it's not for everybody. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think I think I'm paying like over seven hundred dollars a year, but it, for for the level of subscribers I have, but I'm not. I think you can get like up to a thousand for free, or something like mm-hmm. that. So, so it, I, it is. It, it's like the more subscribers you have, the more you would pay, but. It, the more subscribers you have hopefully the more sales you're making To you know, right. well and see i've had
1: i've heard authors say that i actually remember and this was years ago um having an author say that she had actually divided her list between two different email services because one was more expensive but um she wasn't making enough money off her list to justify that and again like i'm sure that's not her fault she just didn't know exactly you know, how to monetize it right. But again, that's kind of a face call moment for me because I feel like, okay, but you should be getting a lot of sales off your email list. And if not, you just need to figure out why and fix it. You know what I mean? Um, rather than... Anyway, the way that she was trying to fix that was really kind of a band-aid. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and I was just going, yeah, that's probably not going to work in the long term. But, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. And just for for anybody that's kind of new at this, it's like a beginner um, author just just um, he hasn't published a book yet or you're just publishing a first one. And you're kind of looking into newsletters, um, the automated sequences that Lisa was talking about. Um, in the lead magnet so for example like some authors give away like a free book um a free story i have a lot of editing clients that write like short stories in, that they don't publish like on amazon it's just just exclusive for their newsletter subscribers so that's like a lead magnet to in exchange for getting the story they sign up for your list so i have like for my um For my Storybook valley series which is a chiclet sweet romance series i have like a Storybook valley welcome kit which has some excerpts from the books and then some um like behind the scenes like interviews and things like that and then i also have um something similar for my mystery books and then i have two separate automated sequences so like by automated it just means that these are all pre-written so it's for example for the storybook valley book this just goes into different like certain characters or actors and actresses I envisioned you know when I was writing it and um, uh, modern I think I had like a list of um, fairy tale movies or Cinderella movies because one of the books is really around Cinderella so I, I tried to find like a bunch of fun things that weren't directly promoting my book but that were that would interest the audience for that book and the same i did the same kind of thing for my um for my mystery theory so, right. so that's sort of like why if, if you can get a mail service provider that has the capability of doing those automated sequences then that's um really helpful so if anybody has mail or light let us know if, if they do that i think they do but i'm not 100 percent sure i think active campaign is another one yeah. When I first started out, though, I used Tiny Letter, which I don't know, even know if that exists anymore. But <laughs> that that does not have automated sequences. But I was able to, I think I was able to send out, like, broadcast email. So that was really, really yeah. simple. And then just I sort of kind of kept scaling to. I tried, There was another one I used a while ago called, I think it was called My Author Biz, but then, which was helpful. But then they um, went out of business. And that was when I went to ConvertKit. So, you know, it's something you might just kind of increase as you get more, yeah. more books. But, um, and then for those of you who are in my like free five day line editing class, that's another automated sequence, which just goes to, um, which just which just goes to people who sign up for my class. So you can segment the list. So my, my readers are getting different emails than the writers. I can just choose to send it to, you know, certain segments, so. It's basically see so you, you can send out broadcast emails like when you like as you were saying when you have the new news news or your latest blog posts and that kind of thing or your latest events but you can you also have these emails that are just pre-written and they go out in a schedule like mm-hmm. you know every week or something like that um convert kit yeah that's um somebody was just on. i can't i can see the comments i can't it doesn't tell me for everyone who um what their name is but um Yes. Yeah, so if if you have if anybody has any questions or comments, let us know. So ConvertKit is the one that we both use, and then um, MailerLite does have automatic sequences. Um, somebody that said that was um,
1: well. And I will put there. out one uh, kind of warning about when I when I first started out, everybody was all about Mailchimp. And it actually is a pretty good, pretty robust um, email responder, but just a few years ago actually is the reason I switched over to ConvertKit. They changed their model, so they're not, um, I'm not going to remember exactly the details of it, they're, they're not about um, email marketing anymore. They, they just kind of changed the way that they were doing things, even though they still have the email marketing and their rates like doubled or tripled it was because they, they were going to start charging you even for people who had unsubscribed from the list <laughs> which is <laughs> not good <laughs> so just be careful with that if you're doing the free tier that's probably fine but i wouldn't recommend them for authors because you're going to end up there, there are other responders that won't charge you for the um unsubscribed so
0: yeah just i remember so, when, you know. I was, when i was first looking into them i didn't there's something about it i didn't like <laughs> so it's <laughs> I yeah. mean, kind I just, of wonky yeah yeah um, we have a question. Is can you offer more suggestions for how to get the word out to get people to sign up for your newsletter before your first book is released? So, like, I guess, how do you get people, like, even if you have a lead, lead magnet, how do you get people to find out about it? Yeah.
1: So um, you can definitely run ads on Facebook, but that does cost money. Probably the easiest way is through using book funnel and Story Origin that I was talking about, my book cave. Um, go to those websites and you can just search them, uh, book funnel. I think it's storyorigin.app and I don't actually use my bookcase very much but they have promos, so you can upload your lead magnet to those sites, and then you you do have to pay, well, okay, Story Origin is still free right now. It probably won't be forever, but it is, so I would recommend that one. Um, Book Funnel is like 20 bucks a month, so it's really not pricey, and for 20 bucks a month, you can enter as many promos as you want, okay, and these people know about promos, the readers do, so you can literally get thousands of sign-ups in just a couple of months, and it's true, like I said, that a lot of them are going to be freebie seekers, but... It's just a numbers game. Everything when it comes to online sales is a numbers game. So even if you get a 1,000 people signing up, probably a good 50% of those people will end up being at least somewhat fans of yours. Only a very small percentage, 2 or 3% will turn into mega fans. But the point is that you can get them. And as long as you keep um, pruning your list and getting rid of the people that aren't serving you, you know what I mean? It's actually very, very effective, and it will grow very, very quickly. The other thing to keep in mind is that even if you have people on that list, I know that a lot of the people who um, use those uh, services like BookFunnel, a lot of them are actually elderly people who don't have a huge income. So they really are looking for free books and they're kind of the you know, what people think of the epitome of freebie seekers. But I would encourage you not to think about them negatively because they're really not doing it just because they're chumps and don't want to pay you. Like that's not what it is at all. Most of them are on fixed incomes. A lot of them are non-ambulatory, which means they can't walk. They can't get out of bed, but they are looking for entertainment and they are willing to do other things. Even if they can't buy your books, they're the ones who are going to give you the reviews. They're the ones that are going to give you the feedback. And that's almost worth more a lot of times than the price of the book is. So some of my most ardent fans, um, are people who mostly get my books for free and they're always willing to spread the word and give me reviews and they're willing to spread the word to people they know about your lead magnet if it's awesome if it's awesome so just keep that in mind but i would especially when you're starting out i would use book funnel and story origin especially they're really really effective
0: yeah i haven't used book funnel but i've used story origin and um and then there's some facebook groups that have like newsletter right. swaps Facebook groups, which is basically, you can do that on Story Origin also, but connecting with authors in your genre, um, um, especially if you have like an equal list size. um, It's it's like you are saying, sometimes I would see um, some increased sales after something like that, and at other times I didn't. So it just kind of, it depends. But even sometimes if the other author has a smaller list, if if it's a really engaged list of your target, fans it could be worthwhile so it's kind of like experimenting with that and seeing you know seeing what if it's working for you
1: yeah and I mean for the record I actually was involved in a an author box set that just in January we managed to hit the the USA Today bestseller list oh great. I
0: remember that <laughs> yeah
1: the the biggest way we did that was through newsletter swaps with other authors who would who would show because it was a pre-order too for most of that time and during the pre-order period they would show it to their list and that's I mean, guys, that's how we did it. You
0: know? <laughs> so it works. Um, yeah, it was in a box set also where we wasn't like a, we weren't aiming for a list, but we did make a profit on it because we were all actively we were all like romantic suspense. We were all actively promoting it. So I think um, there's definitely something to be said for teaming up with other authors in your yes. honor for like a common common goal. Um, Sydney wanted. No, like what do you think about doing author takeovers in reading groups, are they worth the time?
1: Um, I know that they are not as effective as they used to be. So I think what you would need to do, it's probably gonna depend on a case-by-case basis. Talk to other people who have maybe done it for that particular group and talk to the admins who run the group and find out what their stats are, what their numbers are. You know, If other authors have reported an increase in sales, then it would probably be worth it. Um, if not, and it also depends on what your goals are. If you're looking for lots and lots of sales, at least I haven't done one in a long time in like years, but I'm being told that they don't really work for sales that much anymore. Um, people are kind of inundated and so they're not likely to buy, but you also can use it if your goal is just to maybe increase newsletter signups. You can put your lead magnet in there and say, you know, come sign up for a newsletter. Uh, so if it's just to connect with people and grow your audience, they could be really effective for that. So it kind of depends on what your goals are and you just have to do your research into the group.
0: Yeah, I like I haven't, I've been doing this for a while. I think um, in the beginning I did a lot of Facebook parties and sometimes I would notice results like you're guessing in other people's for their Facebook, for their launches and you'd have like a little, um, right. but I, I found that it really wasn't worth my time. But one thing that was interesting was um, if you can find like Facebook groups of that, that has something to do with like the topic in your book. Like for example, like, through a through a um, entrepreneur group, I found um, there was somebody who runs a Disney group, and she was looking for um, she was looking for like giveaway items for her because she has a group that's because she she books like travel for for family. So she was looking, like, doing like a big Disney giveaway. So I gave away an ebook copy of um, fooling around with Cinderella. Um, and then she had like a big giveaway, so she had several a lot of people that are giving away totally different things, but they were all, would appeal to fans of like Disney. And then my book was set about Cinderella, theme park Cinderella. So I did a little thing in there and I had a lot of interest um, for people saying, oh, that would sounds like a fun book to read or I go on vacation. And I, I did get a few sales from that. Um, right. So I think, you know, just keep, keep your eyes open for sort of out of the box opportunities, you know, like especially if you have a book that, um would be tailored you know to a certain certain audience you know yeah but, so yeah uh, for
1: sure and especially especially mainstream things like that like like you said disney um like i said i'm writing dragon books so i could go into like game of thrones type groups and they would probably be interested you know so yeah definitely I mean, thinking outside the box is, is a good idea right
0: then we have um facebook parties and my awful for saying i'm glad they're dead <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a while, it's like everybody everybody was doing a Facebook parties like all the time. Yeah, too many invitations at Facebook party.
1: <laughs> well, and you know, a lot of it too might be that Facebook really has changed a lot. And I think the Facebook parties were usually done on pages, and pages are kind of dead. I mean, there's still certain things you can use them for, but it's all about the groups now, and we're kind of learning that in a few years, groups might be obsolete. So. Um that could be part of the reason why they're not as effective as well. It would actually probably be better to grow a Facebook group of reader fans who are more likely to go buy your book, which would just if you if you do a reader Facebook group, it's a lot like having um uh your email list. It's just on a different platform. And they are different different readers. You'll have different people on your list than you have in your Facebook group with different behaviors, but it's just another audience that you can that you can market to, you know.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of authors who have um who have like successful Facebook groups, and they, um, as you were saying, they, they involve them a lot, like with, you know, name this character, um, you know, like what do you think should happen next, or they should post some excerpts. So I, have, I experimented with that a little. I do have a, um, a group, but just due to time constraints, I it, and I really, you know, yeah, I still have it, but I, I, I'm not as active with it as I should be. But um, I think it works, out, especially if you have a series you know, really, right. like I have two books in my series. But if you're, like, if you have a series where several books, and you're actively writing more books, I think a Facebook group could be a good idea. But like you're saying, there's all this news about Facebook groups. You know, they're changing them again. You yeah, well, suppose, so you never know I mean?
1: In in terms of, but I mean, in terms of the the takeover or the Facebook parties, you, you just got to make sure that you're rolling with the platform. It's always changing. And so if you're going to do something like that, I'm not even saying that it won't work, but you got to make sure that you're doing it in the right way so that it will work. If you're doing something that was working like Facebook parties back in 2014, you're not going to have very good results today in 2021. So just something to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, and I think um, I knew we had a couple comments like, oh, video.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not, I had to really
0: yeah. get to do some video on my Facebook group. Um, right. And
1: I'm that. the same way. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're all really introverted, but I will tell you one thing once you start doing it, you stop feeling that way. So if you want to do it, I know not everybody does, you just kind of have to bite the bullet. And once you've done four or five videos, it's not even a big deal anymore. You know, at, at first, I was the same way. I was so nervous to like just hit. Go live, you know, and I was just like, "Ah." and And when we all feel that way. But once you've done it, you'll be amazed how it just isn't even a big deal anymore. So, yeah, I I know not everybody wants to do that, and that's totally fine. Most of us don't, but it does help to have get your audience to trust you.
0: Yeah, and I think that's something I want to do more of, like maybe Mm -hmm. behind the scenes videos of, um, and especially if you write like for young adults, um, you want to be where they are. They're not on Facebook; they're on. Instagram and TikTok, <laughs> it's, that, yeah. that it's um, you know, so you don't yeah. want to be Plus everywhere. House, but...
1: Apparently, is a big new thing. So I don't oh, yeah, know. <laughs> <laughs> oh so,
0: yeah, okay, just go where your audience is. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, And your class, um, so your class is called the Prolific Author System. That's that's um, yeah,
1: that's you know, gonna that... be the course. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's um, mostly
0: marketing or. Yeah
1: it goes through everything. So the prolific author course, it's, um, it's kind of just building a sustainable author business. But what my promise is, is that I can get you to where you can write a book every 90 days, that will be positioned as a bestseller. So um, it's, of course, it's going to depend on the length. Um, right now, my dragon books are like, <laughs> like 200,000 words of the big, you know, high fantasy tomes that obviously takes me a little longer. But if you're writing an what I call average size book, which is like, 70 to 90,000 words. I help you create a system so that you can write a book every 90 days, which will um, build your backlist quickly. And I have people who do it much faster than that; who can do it in four to six weeks. You know, we hear about these people who put out a book every month, that sort of thing. It's just going to depend on what length you're writing and how fast you can write, how many hours in a day you have to write. Um, But it, it goes through everything that I kind of talked about that I couldn't talk about in detail, like. I'll show you the nurture sequence. I will show you exactly what to plan for your book um, to make it, you know, put everything in it so that the audience connects with it and you've got that story psychology in there um, so that it is possession to sell really, really well. And I go into detail about the marketing and all the stages. And um, I will say that the only, the only people this isn't for is people who absolutely want to pants and are not interested in doing anything about that, that this would not be for you. But I will say that I have taught panthers how to do this, <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. So some people think they're panthers and because that's all they've ever done, which is totally fine. Again, if that's what you want to do, then, then go for it. But I always tell people, I want you to get away from saying you can't do it. Um, just like training your body to run a marathon, you have to train your brain to write and to outline and to do these kinds of things. And it takes a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of effort. You're going to get a few brain cramps along the way but you can train your brain to do that. And if you do that, that's how you're gonna create a sustainable business because you'll be constantly churning out novels. And story psychology comes into play because when I say that churning out novels every 90 days, people always cringe because they think, they they automatically associate that with really low quality novels, which I do understand, but I'm going to show you how to make sure that they're high quality, even though you're doing it quickly. So that's kind of what it is. It's, It's called the prolific author system to teach you to become a prolific author and get to the point where you can live off your royalties
0: yeah there's a couple comments a book every 90 days and (laughs) i can't even edit
1: that manuscript and close to
0: that but i have some clients that they write um they have a few books written you know like they're writing them fast but they're not necessarily editing them that fast they're not perfect but within like 90 days but they are they're just trying to get the story down too and and that way they can get them especially if it's a series they can get them out every you know like within then like four or five, six months so that their readers are so excited. So, well,
1: and it's, but I mean, if, the thing is that once you do something the first time or the first many times you do something, it, it can feel like it's really hard and not doable. I mean, I certainly didn't write my first book in 90 days or my first four books in 90 days. But once you've done it a few times, it's like anything else, it becomes second nature and you'll just get to the point where you can do it. Um, but the other thing is, even if like they're only getting the rough draft in 90 days and then sending it out to an editor, they can also start their next rough draft. And, and if you keep it, that's what I mean by systems. If you keep it in a cycle, you'll get to a point where you're still putting out a book every 90 days, even if it takes longer than that to produce it. So either way, I mean, you definitely need to adapt it to your life and your lifestyle and, you know, how often you can write, what season of life you're in and all of that. But it's just about um, streamlining everything to get there a little bit more quickly and and make sure that it's sustainable for you um, in terms of the, the income that you're looking to create.
0: Right. Um see how how do you recommend doing videos just live on Facebook or film on my phone and download
1: um so it depends on it it just depends on what you're going for for that video um I would recommend if you want to do videos for your email list um you can definitely pre-record them and put them on your website like I said most email responders won't let you send a video directly in the email but what you can do is you can take a screenshot of the video post it in your email and then Link it so that when they click the picture, it automatically takes them to your website where they watch the video. Um, that's usually the easiest way to do it. So that something like that could be pre-recorded, and you could do a pre-recorded video that you send out with every newsletter. And just be like, "Hey guys, it's me," and you know what I mean. That that just again, it just helps them to trust you and get to know you. Um, one trick that I will talk about because we mentioned Facebook pages, in terms of engaging a Facebook page or a Facebook group, if you're starting either of those for your readers, live video is where it's at right now. Facebook, the algorithm actually rewards live video. So if you're trying to grow your group, one of the best things to do is put live video in there and Facebook will actually weight the algorithm toward that live video so you'll end up getting more people sent to the group, okay? You can also do it on your Facebook page and what that does, again, it's not gonna translate directly into sales necessarily, but the more people you can get to like your Facebook page, which again, it will send them live videos and they'll like it, then the more people will see your live videos and the more people you're just bringing into your audience so that's something you can test out as well but yeah um live video it really does work for bringing the audience to you um but again it just depends on what your what your goals are
0: i notice a lot of people when i post a live video even if there's not many people watching or commenting it gets a lot of views later on the replay so if you post mm-hmm. a video and nobody comments don't feel like oh nobody's going to watch it just you're right. probably going to see see if you check the numbers you'll see that um, it's going to get views on the replay and often I'll repurpose those videos like I'll download them and you can download your Facebook videos. um, So then I will upload it to YouTube and then um, upload them to IGTV. I think there's a limit for IGTV. It can't be over an hour or something like that. Um, So the shorter videos I will uh, upload there also just for a different audience. I right. haven't really, I really tried much. My, I think you could go live on Instagram. I did that once and I actually had people commenting, but <laughs> I haven't yeah. really done much with that. But yeah, it's so yeah, again, for for your audiences, you know? Right.
1: Most of the platforms are all about live video. So you'll, you'll just get end up getting more results that way. Um, and yeah, it's important to note that when, that when they first rolled out live video, people were so excited about it that you all, always got lots and lots of people watching, but people are so used to it now that it's more common that they'll see it, but wait until they can sit down and watch it and sort of batch all their live videos. So it's less common to get a lot of people watching live now, at least less common than it used to be. So don't be deterred, like Stacy said, by only having a few people on live with you because you'll get a lot more views after the fact.
0: yeah, a lot of time I'll just I'll be on Facebook and see somebody just posted a video or or somebody's live and I'll just go and I'll save it and then I'll you know, <laughs> I'll just go yeah. back and watch my videos later right, right. Um, me too. Yeah okay well um let me just put up your link again and we'll post it just, we'll go back on facebook and post your website link um yeah, this year yeah okay uh, well thank you very much this was really informative so yeah um, thanks for having me It was fun. <laughs> so um again you can go uh, visit LAZEL on her website or let, let her know if you're interested in being one of the beta testers for a reduced rate on that class and, um, and then she also has a Facebook group she's got a really interesting uh, podcast also I <laughs> saw you I actually um, which is my podcast app and I saw you visit t- characters you just put went out on characters uh uh-huh. yeah, yeah so I was like I, I said oh, I gotta listen to that <laughs> and you also have a lead mag- magnet on villains you- right
1: um yeah if you go to my website there's on the main page there's a big button for readers or authors click the author one and yeah i have it's called the ultimate villainy checklist and it just gives you um different traits and functions that your villain should have in order to be an awesome villain and that's a free pdf if anybody is interested in that so you can find it on my website
0: (laughs) okay well thank you very much if you know if anybody has any other questions um just tag lisa in the comments and then i will i will put her links um, in the comments when I head over to Facebook. But awesome. this is really great. This is really informative. I, I took yeah. some notes also um, some of those books you've recommended, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, it was really fun. Just happy writing everybody. Make sure you have fun at what you're
0: doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay.